Good morning. How are y'all? I don't know how to say this. I've gathered you all here today to say I quit. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I am kidding. Nothing can be further from the truth. In fact, I can't believe today's finally here. Uh, it literally has been over a year in the making. And this little journey uh, that I've been on uh, actually started last year in Guatemala, where I believe God spoke to me about a couple of things. Very specifically, he spoke to me about two things. First, as, uh, as you know, if you've been around Springwell for a while, if you don't, then I want to inform you that we actually build houses every year in a little village in Guatemala called El Remolino. And uh, my goal is to build two houses a year. Now, the cost of those houses it, it kind of varies. It, it's kind of weird. The, it's the only place I know of where prices actually come down. Don't you wish that were true here? It's not. And so we started about fifteen, about fourteen five, and really the prices has kind of dropped a little bit over the years. And and at present, um, at present we have over forty families that are waiting on us to build them a house. Over 40 families, which obviously means that they're counting just on us. Now, some of these people will die without ever having anything but a mud hut or a shelter built with sticks and tin or whatever building materials they can come up with. They'll never have any more than that. That's it. I can't really describe just how bad the living conditions there really are. There's no way you can wrap your brain around it unless you've experienced it, unless you've been there. Unless you've had that smell, that third world smell, that heat that can come from that part of the world. So anyway, I was, as I was literally walking around this village looking at these different shacks, I'm looking at shacks, pieces of, of huts, shacks, dirt floors, hammocks laying in some, others Maybe have a mattress laying on the dirt. And I'm trying to decide which shack was the worst shack. And, and I remember exactly where I was as I stepped out and I, and I looked at this, what this one man had done in a year. As he had gathered material to the best of his ability and as he had kind of, you know, he really had done a good job with what he had. And I remember thinking that. And I remember thinking, what am I thinking? All these families need decent housing and I'm trying to decide which is the worst among the worst and when I say decent housing don't misunderstand me I'm not talking about a house like you and I live in I'm not talking about a house with a huge house with 1500, 1800 2000 plus square footage that's heated and cooled I'm, that's not what I'm talking about with lights that we just walk over and hit a light switch I'm not talking about a house that has a 65 inch or whatever they're making now you know, OLED, QLED TV. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a 528 square foot block structure with running water. There's no electricity. And it's hot in that part of the world. There's no electrical outlet to plug a big box fan into. But it does mean that at least they'll have an inside flushing toilet, which most of them don't have. In fact, in this village, the only one that I know of is, is literally at the church. They'll have a shower. They'll have a couple of 
bedrooms. They'll have an outside kitchen with a pila, which means that they'll have a, a, a sort of a, a sink kind of a thing. And when I say outside kitchen, what that means is this structure will have some tin over the top. There'll be a roof over the top, and of course it's open because they're cooking. It's a really nice wood stove that we provide for them, that we buy and we purchase and we provide for them, but it's a wood stove. It's not a gas stove. It's not an electric stove. It's wood. There'll be a couple of bedrooms and a couple of other rooms. We'll provide a plastic table and chairs for their family to sit around in whatever room you call that to eat. It's just not very much to what we have here at all. In fact, most of us, if not all of us here, would never consider living anywhere without power. Is anybody here that would think in your wildest dreams that you would, you would go look for a house and consider a house that had no electricity? We'd think that was crazy. We would think that that's crazy to even consider. And yet these people, when we build them this 528-square-foot blockhouse with no electricity, they literally think they've won the lottery. I'll never forget last year, at the end of the week, we start on Monday typically, and, and uh, we, we employ people there that really do the main work, and we're just really there more as helpers because it pours money into the local economy, what we're doing. And I feel really, really good about what we're doing there. And so in one week, this little house will be built, and then we'll have a little ceremony, and we'll hand them the keys. And as we handed them the keys, I remember the interpreter told me that the, the father, the husband, the head of the house, he, he looked at us and he said, you know what, I never even dreamed this big. And I remember I stood there and I looked at that man, and I, I saw the look on his face, the look in his eyes. And I thought, oh my gosh. There's no electricity. I mean, it's going to be hot. It's a tin roof. And their eyes are filled with tears. They can't believe that we've blessed them the way we've blessed them. And I'm walking around this village trying to decide which shack is the worst among the worst. A day or so later, we're riding out to the village in an old beat-up school bus work on these houses, these two houses that we were building last year, and the Lord began to speak to me. Long story short, it's a long story, and it's a sweet story, and I really wish I could tell you the whole story. First thing God said was, it's time that Springwell got out of debt. And we have to get out of debt because we got to give more. We got to build more than two houses a year. There are families that are counting on us. we got to do more. Some of these families are going to die without ever having a decent place to live. There are literally, two years ago, was a baby that died because of literally smoke inhalation just from cooking inside of a shack, of a mud hut where three of those walls collapsed. we just got to do better. But it's not just about Guatemala. It's, it's what we need to do here. We have to do more here. There are needs that we have right here at home. And I'd love for us every year, I just think it would be, it's a dream of mine. I've been dreaming this for a while, that, that every year that Springwell could just give a needy family a car. We just give it to them. And there are people that want to work, but they don't have transportation to work. And so they do the best that they can. They really do. 
they do the best that we can. And I just think, how cool would it be if we as a church could just say, you know what, we're, we're going to stand in the gap for you. We're going to love you. We're, we're not going to stand there with our hands out trying to take from you, but what can we give to you? And how cool would it be if we as a church could just, could just give away a car? And there's other needs in this community that we, what if we as a church could just step in, into the gap and say, we're here. We want to be different than maybe your impression of what church is, or especially your impression of what God is. We want to be givers, not takers. So my dream is for us to be totally out of debt just so that we can give more away. And quite honestly, from everything I've read and been told, this is not one of those real good capital campaigns. Woo! <laughs> but that's, that's the truth. Second thing that I believe that God said to me in Guatemala is, is this. He said, it's time to build a new children's facility. And I said, excuse me? Did you say that one more time? He said, sure. I don't stutter. Folks, we have a problem. We're a growing church, and one of the areas that we're growing is, is in our children's ministry. And don't misunderstand me. It's a great problem to have, but it's a problem nevertheless. It's a, it's a problem because it takes money to be able to do the things that we need to do. We have to add space. The second problem that we have is, is that our family ministry facility in its present condition, it really doesn't reflect the quality of the ministry of this church. I didn't put this on my notes because I really didn't think I would say it because I'm just going to show you what a redneck I am. Well, blame God. He gave me the illustration. That's no lie. I'm minding my own business. I'm in this bus, and so God speaks. And the, and the vision that I had, the idea that kept, popped into my head was this. <coughs> he said, what you have, Scott, is a NASCAR engine in a Greenville-picking Speedway car. <laughs> Man, you can't make this stuff up. You know it was God, right? I went, whoa. And what I mean by that is we probably have the most, and so many of you really don't have a church background. You don't really understand church at all. So you don't understand the depth with which we are, and the gratitude that we have for the staff that we have. These guys are unbelievably gifted and talented. Some of the most creative people I've ever worked with. But we have to give them the tools to work with. So we have to add some space. Second problem that we have was this facility that we have next door. And let me just say, I personally laid the tile in both the bathrooms are in that building next door over 17 years ago. I was not a tile man before. I am not a tile man now. Those were my first and last bathrooms to tile. So every time you walk in there, I just want you to look around and go, Wow, God's good. <laughs> so we need to renovate the old facility. Uh, to say that would be a terrible understatement. We've done the best that we can over the years to improve and to keep it in the best condition possible. And I really do think that we've tried very hard to do well with what we've been given. But it's, it's just time to renovate the old facility. It's time to upgrade those bathrooms. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. It's time for new carpet. It's time to, to move a wall. It's time to renovate and to structure that building in a way that will meet the needs of the people that we have. We have to renovate that building because we do more than just children's ministry over there. 
every Thursday night, Celebrate Recovery meets there. If you're brand new to Springwell and, and don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, CR is as we've referred to it often. It's, it's our recovery program. And just so you know, just so you know, if you're new, we believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are in recovery. Be careful to talk about those people. I am one of those people. I've been through two 12-step studies myself and probably could use a third. I may be the most messed up pastor in town. But you're messed up too. And just in case you don't think that fits you, you're in sin recovery, folks. That's what you're in. Different sin for different folks, but we're all in recovery. And so it's, what you need to understand is, is what we do next door in Celebrate Recovery is not just for Springwell people. What we do in Celebrate Recovery is for people in this community. So we start every Thursday with a free meal. Yeah. Have we been taking advantage of? Sure we have. That's okay. I can stand standing before the Lord and you fed those people on Thursday night? They weren't even members of Springwell. Of course, he's not going to say that. I believe he'll say Well done. You did good. You took care of the least. I know because I've heard testimonies. We're literally saving families for providing a safe place for recovery to take place. And we really do believe with every fiber of who we are, we believe that every church should see itself as being in the recovery business. Because that's what we do. A fancy term might be discipleship still recovery so we just want to provide the best place possible the the right atmosphere for recovery to take place so we have to renovate the old and we got to build something new it's time for us to invest in the next generation and we spent over a year looking at every possible option we need to provide the, the best atmosphere possible for life change to take place and so now I want to show you our plans and so I'm going to ask Brian Rhodes I'm going to ask our family pastor to come up and uh, take you through the walkthrough of what comes next. Are you guys excited? Yeah. I'm excited, and I know that. If you have, if this today's your first time here, if you don't have a lot of familiarity with who Springwell Church is, our desire here is to help families win. And that has a lot of different forms, and it comes, it looks a lot of different ways. For kids, for preteens, and for students, it means we provide environments that are conducive to excitement, acceptance, and love. That shows the next generation that it's okay to have fun as a follower of Jesus Christ. For parents, for adults who are guardians or who are parental figures in kids' lives, it means we provide resources and encouragement for the good times and the bad. Any parent in here ever felt like you were on an island? There's a reason my hand is up. It's because there have been some times this past week that I felt like I was on an island. But I had people who loved me and who believed in me. Not as a pastor, not as a staff member, but as a parent, as a person. To say, I believe and I know that at the end of the day, 
you want to be a great parent. For all generations, it means that we provide unconditional love for people with hurts, habits, and hangups. Because if you haven't figured it out yet, we're all one of those people. So how does a new building, how does building renovations help families win? Thanks for asking, because we're going to take a look and show you how that happens. The first image that you're going to see is the outside image of our current building. Looks a little different, right? The updated look to the outside communicates, and I want you to understand this, that we don't just embrace change, we celebrate it. As a person's life changes, there's transformation, and that's what you see here. That new entryway helps with sunlight and heat in our existing lobby. Could we have picked, thank you, God. We could have had a better day for this, right? The new addition, the new building that we will build, you'll see in between the two current buildings, will house our, all of our preschool kids, our infants, our toddlers. And the reason is because we believe that it reinforces our belief that all generations are connected. The updated look to the original building, which we call the family ministry building, is one that probably some of us or a lot of us have wanted to see for a long time. But it reminds us that we're all a work in progress. Sometimes it just takes a little longer than we'd like for it to take, right? Finally, if you've ever had to walk a child between the two buildings, I want you to notice that there's a covered walkway between the two buildings. And I know that for some, it's like, well, it's just a covered walkway. It's not that far of a walk. <laughs> um, I get that it looks simple, but the seemingly simple screams that you matter. You matter as parents, you matter as kids, you matter as grandparents, as volunteers who are running back and forth during severe thunderstorm warnings, during kids camp, trying to get kids from one building to another so that 119 of them can come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's why a walkway is important. Because you walk into one building soaking wet, and the air's probably on, let's be honest, and you get cold, and it makes it difficult for you to focus on what God's trying to speak to you and say, and for you to worship in this room, you deserve better than that. But this is more than about a facelift, this is about connection and community. And life change. And so I want to show you what's going to happen inside this new addition that we're building. You'll see the first level, the lobby's highlighted there. It's an expanded lobby space. It's actually on two different levels. It's going to provide shorter check-in lines, intentional space for first-time guests, face-specific resource areas for connection and encouragement for every time that a parent feels like they're just out there on an island. There's going to be an elevator. There's going to be additional restroom space. Again, because the seemingly simple screams that you matter. That same lower level is also going to include additional space for infants, walkers, and preschoolers ages two and three. Which, by the way, these are the ages that are the most called during a service. Right now, our two and three-year-olds are next door. So what we said is, if the seemingly simple means that you matter, then let's put those ages as close to those adults who brought them as we can. 
there are going to be restrooms that are connected to the rooms of those children who are potty training. This makes it easier on the kids. This makes it easier on the volunteers. And parents, it shows you that we're not just here to connect with you on Sunday morning. That even in the things that some people would think are meaningless are really big deals. And we want to have your back on that. And we want to partner with you during that phase because these phases are something that we celebrate that we don't dread. Connecting the two buildings are going to be, it's going to be a new preschool auditorium complete with full production capabilities, again, because we want these kids to have the best environment they can to come to know Jesus and for him to become their best friend. On the upper level of the new building, you're going to see additional space for four and five-year-olds. These larger spaces will allow for more activities that are designed to build connection and community. There again will be secure restrooms for kids and additional restroom space for adults. And not as a family pastor, but as a, as a dad. One of the things I'm most excited about is that both levels, the hallways will be completely secure. Meaning that your family is safe everywhere they go in this building. Your family is safe everywhere you go in both buildings. That extra layer of security, again, seemingly simple, but it screams that you matter. And I'm not going to lie, I, I kind of want to be a preschooler. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> Some of you would argue you are, and I get it. Thanks, Michelle, for not saying anything out loud. But what about our elementary students and our preteens and our middle and high school students and those who attend Celebrate Recovery on Thursday night? Well, what you're about to hear about is how much we believe in the power of community. The existing elementary auditorium next door in our family ministry building will be completely renovated. It receives a full upgrade. It's going to become larger. The, the back wall, if you've been in there where those rooms are, we're going to blow it out because we need space. We're going to upgrade everything that's in there. Not only will this provide a more creative environment to break through the barriers for first through fourth graders to worship, but it's going to provide more space for us to serve meals for those who come to celebrate recovery on Thursday night. It's also going to provide us more space to love on families who are homeless and are transitioning into housing as they come onto our campus. The existing preschool hallway is going to be renovated to become small group spaces. On Sunday mornings, it's going to be used for elementary small groups. So if you, have a par uh, if you are a parent of an elementary child or you bring an elementary chi age child on Sunday morning, you know that you have to stop at the door. All the kids are in that room. Last Sunday morning during the 11 o'clock service, there were 62 first through fourth graders in that room, along with the volunteers that were in there. If you don't volunteer in that room and you stand outside to do the check-in and check-out when you come to pick your kids up, there's no way for a small group leader to have meaningful connection with a child when there are that many people and we're calling them over a loudspeaker. So now, when you drop your kids off who are in grades one through four, after this renovation, you are going to be able to take them straight to their small group leader in a room where you can connect with that leader. Because we believe that being present in a parent's life is a really big deal. 
It's going to be used for student small groups on Sunday nights. It's going to be used for open share groups to celebrate recovery. Everything will receive new carpet, paint, and audiovisual equipment because community happens in circles and not in rows. You don't build relationships with people by staring at the back of their head. It happens when you look them in the eye. And that's what we want for the next generation. There's going to be new space for our fifth and sixth graders for the crossing, for our preteens. And these environments are vital because community leads to change. The existing family ministry lobby is going to receive a complete renovation. Like the new building that we'll add, there'll be shorter check-in lines, intentional space for first-time guests, faith-specific resource areas for connection and encouragement, and again, the secure hallway for peace of mind. Guys, I am so excited about this, I can barely stand it. I've known about this for a minute. There are so many times that I've just wanted to blurt it out because this really is a celebration. And I know some people would sit there and go, how can a building, how, how can that be a celebration? Well, I want to show you one more image. And what you're going to see is a painting that hangs in my office. It says, celebrate what you want to see more of. I don't even remember where I read this the first time. I don't know who said it. All I know is, is that I had to have that in my office and we asked my sister-in-law to paint it for me. The reason it's important is because celebration leads to excitement. Excitement leads to commitment and commitment leads to life change. The reason I call this entire plan a celebration is because I think back to teams that win championships. Cities will throw parades, they'll throw big gatherings, schools will do the same thing. And the reason they celebrate is because there's excitement from what has taken place. But that excitement moves to something else because when you celebrate something and you get excited, you want to see more of it. And that shows just how committed people want to be that they would be willing to make sacrifice and change lives and do things in different ways so that you can experience more excitement because there's something to celebrate. But what's really great in all that is that change happens. Mindset changes, a community changes, a city changes, a school changes, an organization changes because that's happened. But what I love about what we do is that we don't just celebrate championships and we want to see more of them. No, celebration leads to excitement. Excitement leads to commitment. Commitment leads to life change. And you know what life change does? It leads right back to more celebration. And that's what this is. It's a celebration of the kids who have given their lives to Christ. Like I said, 119 just this year at kids camp. Seeing lives that are changed every single week. People who are Understanding the freedom from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Seeing the next generation take the lead and serve the generation that comes after them. That's what we celebrate. So these renovations and this new building is a celebration of the change that's happening in the lives of families today, that's going to happen in the lives of families next year, that's going to happen in the lives of families 10 years from now, 100 years from now, until Jesus returns, until God says, okay, it's time for the next wave. 
And I'm excited that I get to be a part of helping usher in that next wave. And I'm also honored and humbled to be a part of this. To be a part of a church that believes in the next generation, that believes in the current generation. And to serve alongside a man that not only believes in families, but believes in me. So if you wonder why I'm excited, it's because everything I believe that we've experienced in even just the last few months is only just the beginning. And here, we celebrate what we want to see more of. Let me break this down for you. I want to make sure that the message is clear and you understand what we're asking. It's my dream that we pay off this debt. I just want you to know I hate debt. Karen and I hate debt. We detest debt. I've never seen debt do anybody any good. We hate debt. And you should know that as a church, we've worked extremely hard over the last years to get out of debt. And we haven't done it alone. God has literally worked miracles. And we've reduced our debt. From $2.2 million to just a little over 700000 in the last few years. That's amazing. And let me just say, we've had a management team that has done a phenomenal job. Uh, people that, that care about what we do and love our staff and do everything they can to help make our dreams come true. But what we know is it, honestly, it's just been a God thing. I mean, God has just literally worked miracles, and that is the truth. So my ultimate dream would be for us to pay off this debt and be done with it. Um, I want to be done with it, and, and I don't know if this is a capital stewardship campaign thing. I've never seen this done before, but literally, I just I want us to be debt-free so that we can give more money away. And it would take a miracle. It would absolutely take a miracle, because I also know that we have to provide for our children and our families with a new facility. It would, I know, take a huge miracle because the, the price tag to do everything that we talked about this morning, paying off the debt, renovating the old facility, building a new facility, is about $2 million, maybe a shade over. So that's a lot of money, right? And I want to do it all. And I want to do every single bit of it that we can. And at the very least, not go into any more debt. The debt we have is manageable. It's not that it's not manageable. But I don't want to just be manageable. I just want to do away with it. So how are we going to pull this off? Glad you ask. <laughs> Let me just look at it from a human perspective. Just from a human perspective, we presently have 373 given units. And that is families. That represents families, a few individuals, uh, given units who've given this year. And if each giving unit gave $75 Per month, over the next three years, we would raise a million dollars over the next three years. If every given unit, people that are already given, would be willing to step up to the plate and sacrifice. Now, I completely understand that that would be a challenge for some of you. I get that. But if every adult who attends here, on average, every Sunday, if every adult who, who attends here, on average, every Sunday, gave $55 per month, over the next three years, we would still raise a million dollars. 
And I understand that for some, $55 a month would be a challenge. Some of you are thinking right now, man, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. It might as well be $5,500. I don't have that. But what I also know is that there's some of us who can double the 55 or the 75. In other words, there's some of us that God has blessed from a financial standpoint that can step in and stand in the gap for those who can't give as much. If I've known anything over the years, if I've learned anything over the years, it's that God blesses people that give. And that alone would allow us to pay for the new addition debt-free. So where's the other million dollars going to come from? Well, God's going to have to show up and show out. It's going to take a miracle. So the only thing I know to do, this is a good thing about being old. The good thing about being old is you have perspective. And perspective is, is that I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. God's always been faithful. He's always been faithful to this church and every need that we've had. He's been a little slow at times. But he's always met every single need. And he's always blown our minds. So I'm just going to have to watch and see what God does and how he works through you as, uh, as you do what you can do. So, what I want you to do, I just want you to pray and ask God what monthly contribution you can make. Or maybe there's a one-time gift that you can give. I've already been amazed this morning that somebody walked up. This was the strangest thing. Gave me a number from a man, as far as I know, doesn't even go here. And he says, he wants you to call him. I said, sweet. I can push him. He don't go here anyway, you know. I don't know what that will turn into, but I know that God's going to show up in an amazing way. And what I want you to, to remember, please, please remember why we're doing all this. It's not to impress people with the building. It has nothing to do with it. We desperately want to provide an atmosphere for life change for our children, for our youth, and for the people who tend to celebrate recovery. Oh, and there is another little piece of information that I guess that you might want to know about. Uh, there's already been given over $18,000 for the project. <clears throat> now, if you so how did that happen? I mean, literally, uh, there were a couple of folks that just came to me and said, hey, God's, you know, I've got a little money. I think I need to give it. Um, you know, wh wh what do you think? And I said, well, it just so happens. <laughs> I know somewhere where you can give that money. And so I shared that dream, that vision with them. And I told them, you're going to have to be patient. It's going to take time for us to work through. And then there is another, I guess, another little piece of information that you probably would enjoy hearing is, one donor has already stepped up to the plate and said that they'll match every dollar given up to the first 400000 So what's the point? The point is, is that God's already been at work. I know what I'm doing is the right thing. Is it scary? No. And no need to say it's scary when I, I'm not afraid. I'm, Lord used Brian to speak to me a few weeks ago out of Isaiah 41. And, and God said very plainly, he said, man, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm with you. 
will uphold you with my victorious right hand. God's got this. All I need for you to do is just to simply say, what, what can I do? And not that you just sit down with your checkbook and try to figure that out on your own, but you literally just say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? You tell me. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And if you do that, you'll be fine. That's all we ask. Well, let me do what thrills my heart here. Every single week, it amazes me. But even on a day like today, <clears throat> people still give their lives to Jesus. It's crazy. I want to talk to those of you that don't know Jesus as your Savior. I, what I want you to know is through the things that you've heard this morning, I want you to know that as a church, we just want to be a reflection of our incredibly loving, caring, and generous Heavenly Father. So we're not asking anything from you. Please, just relax. We don't want your money. Well, that's a lie. <clears throat> we'll take it if you want to give it. That's not what we're here for. We're really just here to love you and to share with you the love of Jesus. I want you to know that God's crazy about you. And all he wants from you is a relationship with you. And as I'm sure that you already know, there's brokenness in your life with God. Some of you, that's why you're here this morning. It's a strange morning for you to be here. You wondered if there would ever be that moment in the service that would be for you. And, and this is it. There's that something that stands between you and him, and it's, it's your sin. And you're aware of that. And I don't need to beat you over the head with the Bible for you to understand the brokenness that your sin has caused in your life. But I want you to know that God provided a way to mend your brokenness because he's a giver. So he gave his one and only son. And his name was Jesus. And Jesus was a giver. He gave his life, his perfect life, his sinless life on the cross. And when he allowed them to strip him naked, to beat him almost to death, and then nail three nails in his body to a wooden cross, and then drop it in a hole, he did it because he's crazy about you. And all he wants from you is a relationship with you. And what you need to know is why would he do such a thing? Why would he die a death, a, a criminal's death, a horrible death like death on a cross? Is to prove his love for you and to pay the sin debt. He's a giver. So he gave his life on the cross. He shed his blood so his blood could wash away our sin. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. Jesus is alive. And what you feel right now is not the gift of a pastor. That's for sure. It's not great speakers. That's for sure. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that right now is whispering in your ear. And he's telling you that he loves you. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. And you're ready. As far as I know, in 24 years of ministry, we've never had a single day at Springwell, where someone didn't accept Christ as their Savior. That's amazing. 24 years of people giving their life to Jesus. Today's your day. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, then maybe just quietly, silently, right there in your seat, you'd pray a prayer, something like this. You'd say, Heavenly Father, Thank you 
thank you that today you've shown me your love. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I want to fully surrender my life to you. So fill me with your spirit so that I can really come to know you more. So that I can serve you. So that I can live for you. From this day forward, my life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A little over 24 years ago, in the home of Tim and Cindy Howard, 58 people gathered with me. They accept, accepted the challenge to a really simple vision. It was just to love people. And it is because they've sacrificed and they've served and they've given. It's because they still continue to sacrifice. They still continue to serve. Some of these people have served literally for 24 years without taking a break. It's crazy. Because they've done all that, that's the reason that you're here today. They truly are amazing people. Scott and Karen had came to our house. We had made spaghetti. The kids were playing, and Scott said, I really am thinking about starting a church. And then it birthed, and then that's that's kind of where it went. It wasn't that we were setting out to plan a church. We were setting we out to love to church differently so yes. that people would belong. I think for the person that just walks in here on a Sunday morning, maybe they do realize it. But I think you guys never thought it would be this. Like that. The only goal was just to do church. Let's yeah, love each other. And, and love the way, really, Christ has called us to love. Well, there are a few people that are here tonight that do just want to say thank you for your faithfulness over the years without you even knowing it, the impact that you've had on their lives because of your willingness to serve and because of your willingness to give. Springwell has been a part of my life for most of my life. Uh, and for most of you that know me, it hasn't been a smooth You know, I remember I, I was in active addiction for 20 years. And, uh, I remember uh, more times than not, if I got pulled over on the way to church, I got a DUI for sure. Not just one Sunday, most of them. But I've always felt loved, accepted here. This is my family. You know, I thought maybe y'all just loved me because y'all thought I wasn't that broken and that once you learned just how bad off I was, that you'd probably show me the door too. But it never happened. I've never been so completely and totally accepted. And it's, it's thanks to y'all.
for what y'all have done and what y'all do. Um, thanks to y'all, you know, I stand here sober and full of hope and with a purpose that I never thought I would ever have again. I thought I'd long since ruined my opportunity to be of any service to God. Thank y'all for loving on me and being available and making me feel a part of, um, even when I didn't want to be, uh, because I, I didn't always want to be, but y'all didn't give me an option. <laughs> I've had all this time to think about what I would say, but there's just not enough time. All of you have invested in me and my family. I represent my family here because you have invested in my family before Springwell was even born. You left the 99 to pursue but one, which was my family. And you didn't give up on what the Lord has done through that. And for me to stand up here, I'm humbled to be in front of all of you. Thank you for what you do. All the sacrifice you made has changed three generations of my family, and I could never say thank you enough. Thank you. I always knew in the back of Scott's mind and in the back of ours because we had had so many conversations about what we wanted our ministry to look like as a couple. And, and the biggest reason, though, is that I knew my husband. And I knew his heart for lost people. And y'all have all heard his testimony. So y'all know that he wanted to minister to people that didn't feel like they fit in. That didn't feel like that they could go to a traditional church. And there's nothing wrong with traditional church. Not one thing. It is a great place. And, and there's a purpose for those. And, but I knew that God would lead us to do something else. And I just prayed that he would allow us again to do that in this community because I felt like that we could minister to people here and I felt like that this community at that time didn't have that type of church. A few weeks ago, I didn't know anything about September the 8th, but I had a chance to tell my team leader, he called to check on me one day after a Sunday that it wasn't what I thought was perfect. And uh, I just told him it was kind of cool to be able to see God answering prayers specifically. He said, what do you mean by that? And Debbie mentioned it a while ago. There was a Sunday that that we took a service and we just wrote names and verses and things on the floor throughout this whole building. And I remember writing on this stage below this floor, God just sent us a new generation of leaders. And it's, it's so cool because now I can fill in the blanks of some of those people. I can literally write names and it just... I get to serve with kids that are my kids. I get to serve with leaders that are half my age. But it's their dream now. It's not our dream. It's not just our dream. It's their dream. Somebody else took it and ran with it. And really, this church is about, it's not about what happened 24 years ago. It's about the next generation of leaders. It really is.
In the year 2000, the Greenville News wrote, a contemporary Southern Baptist come as you are church that has been filling the old Greer High Auditorium on Sundays plans by February to welcome new people to its church home in a former fun park in Taylor's. The church is five years old and it's growing. There won't be any bumper boats or go-karts, however, but there will be music, drama, and dance, along with straightforward real-life preaching. Scott McAllister, senior pastor and one of Springwell's founders, wants to make church relevant to everyday life and appealing to people who've never attended church or who feel alienated from organized religion. Springwell is part of a nationwide movement that de-emphasizes denomination and emphasizes a contemporary casual style of worship. The congregation will spend $550,000 to renovate a 20,000 square foot building at the former nine acre fun park. Two services will be necessary because the auditorium will only seat 500 and that's the building next door. McAllister added, people are interested in more than just heaven and hell. We try hard to make things relevant with issues such as regret, overwork, and forgiveness. He asks, if this is where you are, where does God fit in and can he make a difference? In 2002, two years later, the Greenville News continued to talk about Springwell when they wrote this. Springwell is springing up all over. Since the contemporary casual church moved two years ago from the former Greer High School to its location on Wade Hampton, attendance has doubled. The church, which was started just seven years ago by 58 members, now employs nine full-time and eight part-time staffers. Next month, Springwell hopes to open the doors to its new 22,500 square foot multi-purpose building, the one you're sitting in. Associate Pastor Clay Slatton said, inside the church attraction has been acceptance and openness to people and their needs. That's what most people say about our church. They're looking for a place where people will not condemn but accept and love. We don't accept their sin, but we accept who they are. If we're genuine, Senior Pastor Scott McAllister said, not that we're trying to bait you, but that we're willing to give you something willing to help somebody with something. It's been a privilege to watch members give of themselves to make that happen, he said. Today, a new article is being written. It's been almost 17 years since that last publication and 24 years since its first meeting in a home and Springwell has never lost its vision. You heard that today, the heartbeat. The heartbeat to reach more people, more people who need acceptance and love, to enlarge and improve space, to make a place for people who've given up to free up finances, to give us more money, to help people who need a hand. And when I think about the people who are among that first 58 that the Greenville News talked about, the people who made this building a reality, the ones who made this space a reality, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude because of them, because of their sacrifice. My life has been changed, and I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're in this room and your life has been impacted in any way because of Springwell Church, can I get you to stand right now? Now, will you look around this room for me for just a minute? All of these people who are standing are real lives. They're real souls. It's because of the sacrifice of those 58 we're standing right now. You can take a seat. Those founding members who paved the way did their part 24 years ago, and a lot of them are going to continue to do it today. They'll give just like they always have. They'll continue to serve in children's ministry. They'll continue to serve on our finance teams. They'll continue to hold the vision high. But it's not on them. It's our turn now. We're next. 
this church was started on sacrifice and nothing has changed in 24 years. The reason we sit in this room is because somebody invested. Somebody purchased the chair that you're sitting in right now. Someone invested in purchasing the music you've heard this morning. The supplies that your kids are using next door in our family ministry building were purchased by someone in this room. It's not given to us, we have to buy it. It's because you give that we're able to do that. And today, it's your turn. As Scott mentioned, if all of us in this room give $55 per month for the next three years, we'll reach a million dollars. And it's time for us to be next. That's why we're calling this our next campaign, giving to what's next, preparing for what's next, and pouring into who's next. Listen to me, it will require sacrifice, just like it did 24 years ago. A loaf of bread costs the same whether you're a millionaire or you're without a job. It's not the amount that matters, it's the sacrifice that actually matters. So how can you be next? Uh, you can pledge to give. On your way out today, you're gonna receive a pledge card and you're gonna receive an envelope. The pledge card looks like this. I'm asking you to take that card home, pray about what God wants you to give and then bring it back at the end of the month, September 29th, or you can bring it back before. You can place those cards in the offering bucket or giving box if you decide to bring it back before the 29th. And I'm also asking you to go on and begin giving to this project above your regular offering. You can give online right now, springwell.org. You can give on the kiosk in the lobby, just make sure you select the next campaign. You can text the word next in any amount to 1-855-887-3555 or give in the envelope that you're gonna get when you leave today. Today, you've heard stories of life change. You've heard why this place matters. You've heard that the heartbeat of this church hasn't changed in almost 25 years. So here's the question we have to answer. Why should you be next? Why does your gift matter? Won't somebody else give? I'm thankful and I know everyone in this room is thankful that those first, first 58 people didn't think that way. They gave it all so that we could be here. The next campaign is so much more than a building campaign. It's paying off debt to love and to serve more people. It's renovating and it's building because people matter. Because eternity is altered every week for people who attend here. And if you need more proof that what happens here actually does matter, here's more proof. There have been a lot of moving parts in the service today. We totally get that. And, uh, but we didn't want you to have the wrong impression. We wanted to make sure that you understood us and that you know our heart. I said a few minutes ago, I don't know that in... 24 years, over 24 years of doing ministry, I don't know that we've ever had one single Sunday where at least one, if not five or 10 or 15 people didn't accept Christ. It's, it's really a miracle what we see here happen every single week. And that's why we do what we do. That's the importance of, of having a facility. It's, it's showing people that they matter. It's not about building something that uh, draws the attention of man, but creates atmosphere for life change to take place. So we're going to finish today with uh, baptism. 
If you're brand new to church and you don't know what baptism is, let me tell you what it is. It's not your salvation experience. These people have somewhere privately prayed that prayer. They've uh, acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God, that He died on the cross, shed His blood to make the payment for their sin, that He was raised on the third day and that He's alive. And now what they're wanting to do is to go public with their faith. And God could have chosen any number of ways to do that, but He chose it to do it through baptism. So in just a minute, these folks will step over into this tub of water, and they'll be seated right here. And you take my arm that represents them. I want you to understand that their very presence in this tub of water says to you, I believe that Jesus lived. I'll lean them back. I believe that Jesus died. I'll submerge them under the water for about 10 minutes. <clears throat> I can't see. I just want to make sure you were with me. For just a split second, that Jesus was buried, and then I'm going to pull them out of that water that I believe that Jesus is alive. I believe in the resurrection. It also says this, I'm dying to the old me. The old me's been buried. I've been resurrected, somebody brand spanking new. Does that mean that these people are perfect? No, but it means that their lives are changed. They've been forgiven, totally forgiven. All their past sin, all their present sin, all their future sin was dealt with on the cross. And they're free. So these folks are going to come. Now there may be some of you that are here this morning. Actually this morning we have more children that are being baptized than we do adults, which is a little strange for us. We usually balance that out a little bit better, so you adults kind of step up to the plate is all I know. And the reason that these children are here, what I want you to understand was Brian had this idea, and this year we implemented these things called phase conversations where on Saturday mornings, as parents, you have the opportunity just to come in and to sit down and to, and to engage in conversations that will help you as parents. And it's through those conversations that these children have been had the privilege of sitting down with a team of people to talk with them about salvation, about baptism, what it is, why they're here. They understand the importance of it. So that's why you see as many children today as you do. There may be some of you this morning that you're a follower of Jesus, but you've just never followed through with baptism. And you're probably thinking, it's, it's too late. I didn't sign up. It's never too late. I want you to know that we're ready for you. So there will be a team of people down here. They'll provide you with shorts and a t-shirt, and there will be towels, there will be shower caps, whatever you need, I promise you, we've tried to take care of everything possible. As you watch these people, these children, as they're brave enough to go public with their faith, it's going to challenge you to go public with yours. And as Bob Barker would say, come on down. We're waiting on you. Let's pray together. Father, you are amazing. Thank you for allowing us to experience what we experience here, Lord. We don't take it for granted. Every single person that's baptized here, Lord, is as sweet as the first. Lord, we don't take it for granted. We don't just see it as a number, but recognize it as a soul, a person whose life has been radically changed by you. Father, you bless this time. Encourage someone, Lord. Speak to them now. Give them the strength to be able to step out and come. To let the world know that you're their Savior. It's in your sweet name we pray. Amen.